Hey guys, this is Tyler Padgett. I'm the lead pastor of the Courageous Church, and this is our podcast. I want to thank you for joining us today. And my hope is that this podcast encourages you, that it builds your faith, and that it pushes you to make a difference. You can join us in person on the weekends, Sundays at 9.30 and 11, at any one of our locations across the Ozarks. Check out our social media pages to find a campus near you. I believe you're listening today for a reason. Let's do this. Turn up the volume and let's go. Hey, everybody, let's give it up for Jesus. He's the reason we're here. Good morning. I'm so glad to be here today. And I want to tell you why I love my church. First of all, I love the preacher. I love the preacher. Seriously, the church has brought me the love of my life. It's brought me an anchor for my soul. Oh, Lord, Jesus. An anchor for my soul. The constant in my life. And that first song we, we sang, it talked about lifting your hands under an open heaven. And every time we come to this place, you're under an open heaven. Because it's a place where we decide that we're going to praise and entertain God. And so God comes because we take the minute, the opportunity to raise our hands and acknowledge him. And we acknowledge him in our life and the heavens open. And so I have lived under an open heaven because my life has been lived in church. I have lived under an open heaven, a course correction every single week of my life. I've not just had one or two amazing moments in my life. I've had hundreds and thousands of amazing moments in my life because I've lived under an open heaven. And I want that for you. I want you to fall in love with your church. I want you to fall in love with Jesus. It's been a great series already. It's been so much fun. I've enjoyed it. And I know that today you're going to love the pastor. <laughs> hey, give it up for Renee, everybody. I want to welcome everybody on the south side, and I also want to say huge thanks to Pastor Chad and Pastor Brandon. I was watching online as we traveled to meet with Renee's parents in Florida, where we were uh, vacationing on spring break, and I was just, I was concerned about small group behavior after all the Coney's messages, honestly. And I've been made aware of a lot of cheek-to-cheek pictures being taken. We do not, we do not encourage such. However, we do snicker at such. And we will have no stacking pictures, I'll promise you. <laughs> so I've been gone for a couple weeks, uh, much needed, a little break. Whenever I come back from that, I'm always kind of nervous to preach. So y'all help me today. Yeah. Southside help me as well. I can feel it somehow. I can feel it. And so we are in a series called I Love My Church. Let's do this. You ready? Yeah. My title today is God Loves It When You Love It. God loves it when you love it. If I had a second title, it would be, I like the way you work it, no diggity. You'll need to back it up. Let's just stick with the first one, shall we? That's a little 90s R&B. Go to your Spotify accounts and just check that out. I like the way you... Amos 9 and 11, haven't preached from Amos in a, in a far piece in a moment, but I have something God breathed into my spirit somewhere on Highway 95, driving 
driving here, driving back, driving somewhere, whatever we were doing. And it's, it's something that I think we need to hear. And it's something for our church. Uh, there's some special people who've been a part of this church for many, many, many years. And uh, one of them said to me or through their kid to me or something, said, Pastor, when you get the chance, teach the people about worship. Teach the people about loving the presence of God. When I heard it, I knew it was coming from such a pure place. That person who said it, maybe sent it through their daughter or their, their son-in-law, I don't know. But I knew it was coming from such a pure place. It resonated with me, and that was months ago, but it just kept moving around in my heart for our church. And so the Lord kind of breathed that into my spirit, and so I'm just going to share with you a message God gave me. It's not a very polished sermon, but it's a message, and I want you to hear it. It starts with Amos 9 and 11, Old Testament. Pay attention. It's kind of muddled, but I'll bring it to clarity. This is a prophecy about the heart of God, and I'm going to explain what he's talking about after I read it to you. On the day, on that day, I will raise up the tabernacle of David, which has fallen down, got a little ring up here, and repair its damages. I will raise up its ruins and rebuild it as in the days of old, that they may possess the remnant of Edom. And all the Gentiles, that's us, who are called by my name, says the Lord who does this thing. So this is the thing God's going to do. And he refers to something that I want to explain to you called the tabernacle of David. I have four pictures I want to show you. Look at the screen. This first picture is a picture of the tabernacle in the wilderness. And this is how the children of Israel, when they were traveling through the desert, would worship God. Every time they stopped, they would set up this tent. Uh, it's called the, 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 the Tabernacle of Moses or the Tabernacle in the Wilderness. And they had so many specific guidelines on how it should be done, how it should be set up, which direction it should be. And they would go into this place and one time a year, one man would experience the presence of God. It was the system for pushing sin off of the people, but not really fixing anything. The next picture here is a picture of the first, uh, the first uh, temple, Solomon's temple. Solomon built it, and um, it was built to exacting standards. This is as big as I could find on the interweb because there were no pictures back in that day. And so just trust my picture here. This is an artist's rendition of what the temple that Solomon built to worship God, animal sacrifices. The Jews want to rebuild something like this on the Temple Mount. That's what they're waiting on. They want to do that. I don't believe they'll be able to do it. Um, and so um, this is Solomon's temple. And then the next one, this was torn down. The next one, this is a temple Herod built, an artist's rendition, a temple Herod built mimicking Solomon's temple. And it was extravagant, ornate. And so these three places were the buildings built, the churches, we could say, that were built in the Old Testament for the worship of God, okay? There was one, though, built in between all of these from that first tent. In between that first tent and the second picture I showed you, there was something as simple as this. This is an artist's rendition, picture four, of the Tabernacle of David. It was in Jerusalem. It was one little tent, and inside of it was the holiest of holies, was not built to like exacting standards that the other three pictures I showed you were built to. 
God didn't say, point it this direction, build it this way, make it this large, all that. The tabernacle of David existed for a brief time, like 33 to 36 years between that first one and the temple of Solomon. And when they opened up Solomon's temple, they went to this place and removed the Holy of Holies and put it in Solomon's temple and the glory of God fell. And the prophet Amos said here that something in the heart of God longed for and loved this simple place of worship that David constructed, the tabernacle of David, so much so that it was God's favorite house and he wanted to rebuild it. Now, when there was controversy in the New Testament, when they had all these new Gentiles coming in to the church and the Jews wanted them to get circumcised to make them feel more comfortable and to honor Moses, when they had their convention in Acts 15 to figure out this problem of incorporating new people, say, that's me, that's us, new people into this amazing way of life given to us through Jesus Christ and his blood, when they were trying to make all these grown men go through a growth track that wasn't a growth track at all. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Acts 15 and 13, it's, it's mentioned again in the New Testament. When they had finished making their arguments about circumcision, James stood and said, brothers, listen to me. Peter has told you about the time God first visited the Gentiles to take from them a people for himself. And this conversion of Gentiles is exactly what the prophets predicted as it is written. So the incorporation of new people into the kingdom of God was something that David tapped into when nobody else could tap into it. David realized that God wanted to do something bigger than just something for the Jews before anybody else really realized that. Verse 16 says, Afterward, I'll return and restore the fallen house of David. That's the tabernacle of David. I'll rebuild its ruins and restore it so that the rest of humanity might seek the Lord, including the Gentiles. Although those I have called to be mine, the Lord has spoken. He who made these things known so long ago. David's tabernacle, that place that David created to worship God, was so unique and so different than the other three because it was totally born in the heart of God from David's love and enthusiasm for God. It wasn't like a... God breathed, you must build it like this, like the ark. Build it out of certain wood and, and build it this many cubits. And it was just a pure expression of David wanting to get into somehow the presence of God for himself. In every other place of worship where the ark of the covenant, which was what David put in that little tent, it was essentially like he went to Walmart and bought a tent and put the tabernacle in it and said, y'all come. We're so different than everything else. In every other place of worship where the Ark of the Covenant was housed, worshipers had to worship what was commanded by God, detailed by God, observed by the priests, governed by so many, and the presence of God was hidden behind a veil that nobody could see the Ark of the Covenant. Nobody could experience the presence of God. It was all separate. And one man, one time of year, could enter into the holy place and experience God. And David, King David, blew all that to smithereens and created something completely outside of the norm. 
And then they, they went back to that, knowing that what David did was available to them. They went back to religiosity and, 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 and unhelpful structure. Like they went back to all this. But in David's tabernacle, this little tent, the glory of God, the presence of God, the power of God, interaction with God, expression of one's heart toward God was seen and experienced by everybody that would. It's like this one little 36-year window of what we have available now. Free access to God. Free prayer to God. It was just like this one little window of, of open heavens they could experience. Now, David was a man who was constantly after the heart of God. He loved God. He loved his church. He didn't have a church to go to because he was rejected by his family on the outside of the, the, the family property, tending the sheep by himself, fighting off bears and lions. And this little boy named David had a harp. And he would just get out there and be like, dink a dink a dink 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 that was Dre. He would get that harp and he would sing, I might get loud. Or whatever the song, he didn't sing that one, but he would he would get out there on the backside of a wilderness by himself. Nobody told him to and sing and write songs to God while going ham on his harp. And God was like, mm, I like it when you like it. I like it when you love me because you love me. I like it when you express to me your great love for me because you really love me. I like it. When you do what you do because you want to do what you do. He was saying, I love a free will offering. I love it when you lift your voice. I love it when you sing to me. I love it when you call on my name because you want to. Not because you have to. Not because it's a part of your schedule. But because there's something going on deep down in your belly that comes out of your heart. That makes you want to give me praise. That David, David did that. David was after the heart of God. I'm after it. Look at your neighbor say, I'm about it, about it, amen. Say it. I'm about it, about it. Glory to God. I, 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 I am about seeking for the presence of God. And David's tabernacle was the only one of those buildings I showed you that didn't try to draw a curtain and hide people from the presence of God. Here's the truth about God that I want you to know. God really never, ever, nor does he now, wanted or wants to be separated from us. Everything God does is to get close to us. He said, if you'll draw near to me, I will draw near to you. He said, the day that you seek me with your whole heart is the day that you'll find me. God is not trying to hide from any of us. He just wants us to want him. He wants us to to, to desire to be in his presence. 
And God liked what David built, unscripted, unplanned for, no official seal of approval, just a full expression of David's heart toward God. God loved it so much. Let me show you how it went down. 2 Samuel 6 and 17. 2 Samuel 6 and 17 says, so they. (laughs) It's okay for they to decide to worship God. So they brought the ark of the Lord and set it in its place in the midst of the tabernacle that David had erected for it. Then David offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord. It was just David's loving initiative. It was just David's passionate expression. It was just David saying, I'm going to find a way to get into the presence of God for myself. And there's not one of us, north or south, east or west, wherever we are in this community, online or in the car, there is not one of us in any way that would ever be pushed away from the presence of God if we reached for him. He wants to be close to every one of us. You see, I mean, you could argue this and I wouldn't fight you on it, but I really believe that David was an illegitimate child. I really believe that David was not born of the same mother as the rest of the kids. I believe that's why when the prophet came and they were so afraid of him that they shook, he had to say, aren't there any more kids? He believed, uh, 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 I think David believed in his heart and knew that he wasn't like the rest of them. And then when you look in scripture at the great animosity his family had toward him and how he was just kind of on the outside looking in always and how he carried those wounds even with Saul of being unwanted, carried the spirit of an orphan. I believe that David was probably born of a prostitute or born of an illicit affair. I could be wrong about that. It doesn't matter, but it does show us. And I think it does give us a clear picture that David didn't look like the rest. He was ruddy. He was red. None of the other ones, they were all tall, dark, and handsome. And David was this ruddy, red-headed kid that they didn't want on the backside of anywhere. Anybody know what it's like not to be wanted? Anybody know what it's like not to be included? Anybody know what it's like to be an outsider surrounded by insiders? Anybody know what that's like? And David knew what that was like. And when he went to see about worshiping God, he realized that people like him, illegitimate sons under the Old Testament, were not allowed to be a part of worshiping God in the temple, in the tabernacle in the wilderness, in Solomon's temple. David, being probably an illegitimate child, did not really have the right to enter into the place designed for worship. He was excluded. The Bible even teaches that, well, here's what it says. Deuteronomy 23 and 2, no one born of a forbidden union may enter the assembly of the Lord, even to the 10th generation. Good God, that was harsh. None of his descendants may enter the assembly of the Lord. So for David, think about David's mind. I have been chosen by God. I have been anointed by God. God chose me to lead his people. Remember the story, the prophet Samuel pours the oil on him. David's anointed to be king of Israel. He will proceed. He'll, he'll come after Saul. This guy has been chosen by God, okay? And, 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 and when, when David became king, the Philistines had captured, pay attention, the Philistines had captured the Ark of the Covenant. It was away. It caused them all kinds of problems because you can't take the presence of God where it's not designed to go. And they brought it back. 
And David said, I'm king. I'm anointed. I'm chosen. I have the whole of the nation of Israel upon me. God said, I choose you. I don't care what anybody says. If I want to worship God, I'm going to worship God. I'm a child of the king. He understood he had a right to enter into the presence of God, whether anything or any structure or anyone said he was no good. I don't care who has told you you're no good. God brought you into his presence. He's given you an understanding of his name. You have the Holy Ghost living inside of you. You have a right to worship God. When you come to church, don't be a spectator. When you come to God's house, don't think, well, I just don't have the, I, I, am, I only believe in, I am not, I don't think. And just lift your hands and say, Lord, I'm far from perfect, but I just want you to know that you're good. Lord, I've messed up over and over again, but I'm still here. Hell tried to kill me, but it hasn't won yet. I'm standing in your presence today, and I ask you for forgiveness, and I just want you to know that from my heart, I love you. God's like, oh, yeah, I like it when you like it. I love it when you love it. I like the way you work it. <laughs> when David became king, he said, that, that presence of God, it's not going behind a veil. It's not going to a place where I can't get to it. I'm going down to Walmart, and I'm, I'm going to buy me a family-sized tent. I'm going to tear the front end off it. I'm going to put the holiest of holies there, and I'm going to invite everybody. David didn't care what people thought about his worship because he loved his God. For example, 2 Samuel 6, 16. But as the ark of the Lord, that's the presence of God that was placed in the, that tent. In the Old Testament, they had a thing, that the presence of God dwelled in it. But as the ark of the Lord entered into the city of David, that's Jerusalem, Michael, David's wife, the daughter of Saul, looked down from her window when she saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord she was filled with contempt for him. God does not come near to people that have contempt for worshiping him. God does not come close to people who don't want to get close to him. God does not put his blessing, the blessing of his presence on people that reject his presence and reject extravagant expressions of worship. David had the ark of the presence of God. He felt the power and touch of God as they marched the ark back into the city. And he danced until his kingly robes fell off. And he was just wearing common clothes. And when Michael saw it, she could not separate his love for God from his office of king. And she said, well, you didn't look so great today. My, 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 using sarcasm. How stately were the robes of the king today. And David said, I can do it worse than you think I can. The Old Testament, uh, the, the King James said, I can be more vile than thus. I've said that to Renee several times about <laughs> things around the house. I've left undone. Can you clean this up? And I said, girl, I can be more vile than thus. I like to bring the Old Testament into our relationship in tender moments. But the truth of the matter is, is that David was a worshiper. And verse 17 says, they brought the ark of the Lord and set it in the place inside the special tent that David had prepared for. Is there anything special you prepared in your life for the presence of God? Do you have a slot and a spot? We are a church filled with passionate prayer, heartfelt worship. We're a place where 
I, I, I don't, it makes me nervous all the spectating we do in God's house. We're not here to spectate. This ain't the theater. This ain't AMC. You didn't go on Fandango to get yourself here. The blood of Christ brought you here. The goodness of God brings you here. And so I'm not asking you to do something outside of, of your personality, but everybody ought to lift their voice and sing along. Everybody ought to close their eyes and be thankful for the goodness of God. Every once in a while, you ought to lift your hand and say, Lord, you've been faithful to me. You've been good to me. You've been better to me than I've been to myself. At some point, your heart needs to express your great love for a God who brought you out of darkness. Anybody have the Holy Ghost today into his marvelous light? took you from a path of sin and placed you on the highway to righteousness. That is the God that I'm talking about today. David made this unusual move to go off script and put the presence of God in a tent because he realized Samuel anointed me to be king despite my fatherless status, my motherless status. God has accepted me just as I am. And I'm, a, I'm messed up, but God has accepted me just like I am. And so if God accepts me, I'm going to block out the haters. I'm not going to drink the haterade. Come on, young people. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> you can't even bring yourself to smile at that. And I understand. I think it's terrible too. God has shown me mercy. God has approved of me. And I just, David said, want to be in the presence of God. And more than that, he liked it. He liked the presence of God. I love to be in God's house. When, when we were homeless, we went to the church and kneeled at the altar and prayed for God, my mother and I, when we were homeless. We had keys to the church because we claimed it. We went to the church and we went in. And I remember going into that little altar and laying over the top of it and saying, God, I don't think anybody really cares about me. And we, I feel so powerless right now. I'm just a kid. I'm nine years old. I'm asking you to take care of me. I'm asking you to open a door for me. I'm asking you to, to help me because it feels very unstable and very insecure right now. Do you want to know why I love God's house? Because I've been through some things, but Jesus has never left me. He's never walked away from me. He's never disregarded me. He's never pushed me to the side. He's never said that I am insignificant. He has always been there to provide, protect, establish, to set my feet on the right path. I remember how Jesus saved me. I remember remember what he brought me out of. I remember how he protected me. I love the house of God. I love his presence. Love it. Just want to be in his presence. All the crap that comes with leading a church. And I love you, but I didn't want to take care of, I got 37. Uh, no, I've got, I got to take care of 18 air conditioners, 18 air conditioners. 5,000 a piece, four for 10,000 a piece. I didn't want all that, but I love his presence. Some of y'all concerned about our air conditioners. We got it. You know, taking care of your There's a lot of crap that comes with everything. You know what I mean? But I love his presence. 
And so, yes, there's air conditioners that probably need to be replaced soon. And yes, there's, 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 there's stuff. I love his presence. And his presence makes all that worthwhile. Everyone could come before God's presence in this simple tent. And King David now had experienced full free access into the Old Testament presence of God. Do you realize that almost all the Psalms that you read in the book of Psalms, you see the Psalms are a songbook. Those things are supposed to be sung. Now, I don't know how good they come off today, but they sounded great back in the day. And people would come in the presence of God at David's tabernacle. And they would sing spontaneous songs to God and there'd be a scribe there. And he would write down what people were saying spontaneously in the presence of God. Many times it was David, many times it wasn't. And they would, they would write that down, and that's the book of Psalms you read today. The vast majority of the book of Psalms were written in that little tent in the wilderness with just the presence of God. People who had never been in the presence of God before coming and just saying stuff like Psalm 51 and 15. Unseal my lips, O oh God. You ever felt that way? I've been shut up by this trouble. I've been shut up by this difficulty. I've been shut up by all this praise. Lord, unseal my lips that my mouth may praise you. You do, and this is the understanding they had when they left the people to keep making their sacrifices where the presence of God wasn't there anymore. It was with them. You do not desire a sacrifice or I would offer you one. You do not want a burnt offering. 17, the sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit. You will not reject a broken and repentant heart, O oh God. Look with favor on Zion. That's the church. That's Jerusalem. That's us. And help her and rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will be pleased with sacrifices offered in the right spirit with burnt offerings and whole burnt offerings. Then bulls again be sacrificed on your altar. Listen, it was just people coming together and then challenging each other to seek God. They were seeking God beyond the call of duty. It reminds me of that scripture that says, the zeal for your house has eaten me up. I'm eaten up with it. The biggest part of the tabernacle of David that made it so important to God that he said, I'm going to rebuild it again, is that David volunteered to worship. I grew up in a church where they would get up and say, somebody clap your hands. Somebody say hallelujah. Somebody say praise the Lord. Somebody say thanks be to God. Somebody say, why don't we just do that? Why don't we just say, Lord, I thank you. Lord, you've been good. Lord, I'm, I'm amazed at your goodness. Like David volunteered to worship. And David knew the heart of God wasn't to be hidden behind a veil separated from people. David read Genesis 18 and Genesis 22. It was available to him. And he read over and over again that it was the heart of God for all the nations of the earth to be blessed. David knew that. Everybody else read it and didn't take care of it. And besides this, David had in his troops 600 Gentiles that through his life, 600 people from Gath, that's where Goliath came from. These were not Jews, okay? He had 600 people in his world that were Gentiles from Gath that because of David's love for God, started to love God too. 
in David's life, and you can read that in 2 Samuel 15, 18. I don't have time to read it to you today. But the truth of the matter was David realized already that God was doing a work in these descendants of Goliath that had joined with him. They loved David and they began to love God. And David loved them so much that he wanted them to be in the presence of God too. And so he set up David's tabernacle, the tabernacle of David. These people came together and they didn't just think about their sin the whole time, killing animals mindlessly and burning them on an altar. They came in and they made sacrifices to God like clapping their hands. It started in David's tabernacle. They would come into God. Let's do that together. They would come into the, clap their hands unto the Lord. In Psalm 47, I'm sorry, in Psalm 134, they would lift their hands in worship. In Psalm 47, when they thought about or experienced the presence of God, they would lift their voice and say, hey! They would shout, hey! Like you do at a Chiefs game. It's real normal. Hey! In Psalm 149, when they would get in the presence of God, there'd be some people like, hey, uh, uh, uh. And they, the Bible says in Psalm 149, they would dance in the presence of God. In 1 Chronicles, it's, when, they, when they got in that place, they would seek after God. They wouldn't leave quickly. They'd stay in the presence of God and wait for him to lead them and guide them and speak to them. And, and, and then they did something they'd never done before. They got instruments and they began to play instruments to God. They got a band going. That was David's idea, not really God's idea. But God said, ooh, I like that. I like that. I like the way you work it. And so David got 4,000 musicians, 288 singers, 4,000 ushers and greeters. He put 10,000 people on the payroll just to facilitate worship for everybody. Why did the heart of God like this off the books not defined by God expression from the heart of David so much that he said I'll rebuild it it's my favorite place and it came down to this have to versus want to when God has, he's like I'm so sick of sacrifices remember God saying that I am so sick of sacrifices I am so sick of people killing things to honor me I don't want that. I want your heart. And so when David stepped away from that and said, I'm just here because I love you and I give you my life, God's like, ooh, I like it, like it, like it. God's favorite house is the one you build him with heartfelt worship, voluntary worship, voluntary service. Growth track one day is today. Passion focused on God. And so on vacation, I'm going to go about four minutes over. On vacation, Renee and I visited churches because we're sanctified folk. And so on Sunday, we did two different kind of churches. On Sunday, we went to Holy Ghost Church. Yeah, two hours and 45 minutes. Y'all couldn't be saved in that kind of church. Two hours and 45 minutes of flags flying. Holy Ghost in the house, the devil being rebuked 600 different times. I swear there wasn't a devil within two miles of that place. <laughs> Altar services. Ushers, listen to me, ushers, in crisply iron slacks. Oh, you don't know about that kind of Holy Ghost church. People shouting. People in the aisle 
dropping it like it's hot for the glory of God. Krispy Kremes in the foyer only. Don't you dare take that in the sanctuary. You can have coffee in the foyer. Don't you dare bring that coffee up in the sanctuary. Two hours and 45 minutes, my kids fell asleep, woke up, fell asleep again, just in time for the shouting. Hey, hey. And I'm there, and I love God's house. And as I'm there, I, I'm worship, I mean, I'm a, I'm a church guy. I'm, I'm looking around, and I'm a church guy. Church, care about the church. But there's this beautiful, probably 60 year old African American usher lady. And she was walking up and down the aisle, and I could see her. I could see her praying under her breath for people. And oh, it just hit me like boom. Ah. Because I'm thinking about so many of you who serve the Lord with gladness and have a burden for the lost. And I saw it on her and it just, oh, I love your house. I love the, the, what's going to happen here. I love how you're rewriting stories in this place. I love how you're impacting generations in this moment, God. It does everything for me. I love God's house. I volunteer. The next week, we went to Center Church. I'm talking preacher in uh, shorts, flip-flops. They had four and a half minutes for reflection. They had all guitars doing the kind of Christian music I despise. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. In the back of the room, they had cocktail tables set up where you could sit in the cocktail tables and introspectively analyze the message that was brought to you. In the middle of the service, they had five minutes of response time where you could go get prayed for, go give your offering, or go get a second helping of Dunkin' Donuts that they allowed in the auditorium and encouraged. They had an outdoor, outdoor foyer that was very informal. And I'm sitting there and I'm, I'm at a cocktail table in the back of the room with my beloved. And uh, there's this couple next to us. And in the four and a half minutes for reflection, they start talking about the message. And the, and the husband's saying, I'm, I'm not sure I got that. And the wife says, oh no, here's what he said. And I listened to her preach the gospel to her husband, just like the man said it. And he heard it and he's like, oh, I've never thought of it like that before. And I'm there and I'm listening, I'm eavesdropping and I'm not wanting to be out of order in this center church, but I'm crying because I know the gospel is taking root in somebody's heart. It doesn't matter the style of expression. What matters is that you put your whole heart into worshiping God. Somebody say it. The most difficult time of my pastorate here, these almost, I guess, plus 20 years I've been here in this church, it was during the pandemic. It was, uh, just sucked. 500 people left, no idea why. And I got, I mean, I'm just plowing, just like all of you, and thank you for being so faithful. But it was rough, and just, I noticed myself, my head was just, uh, I was driving one day and I realized my head is down. 
I'm driving with my head down. Like, what are you doing? And so there's a church that I build for God that you're not invited to. It's a church that I have, that I have by myself. Renee's not invited to it. Nobody's invited to it. It's in my truck. And I need time to worship God when nobody's looking at me. When I have no concerns about whether the lights or the sound or the message or the words, or the, God knows a million different things that concern ourselves with. So what I do is, and I hope you're ready, I have this app on my phone that is an organ. And I'll drive down the road. And I'll set this up in my car speakers. And I'll drive down the road when I'm having those kind of days where my head's hanging low. And I'll just start praying and worshiping God and prophesying. And I'll say something like, devil, you've, you've, you've done a number on me. You've discouraged my heart. You frustrated my mind. You've done real good at discouraging God's man. But I've come to tell hell. Turn it up a little louder. Southside, I hope you can hear me right now because I've come to tell hell. I said I've come to tell hell. Yeah, I, now, I, I'm, this is not an act. This is what I do in my car, just like that. I said I've come to tell hell. I'm still here. I said I'm still here. God's still faithful. He's never left me. I said he's never left me one time. Ah, and when my enemies thought they overcome me, the Lord lifted me up. He's been better to me than I've been to myself. I don't know what I would do without the Lord on my side. Hey! And that's just me getting started because then I take it to B flat. Oh, oh, you've never left me. You've always kept me. You've been faithful. I don't have to worry about my tomorrow because you hold all my tomorrows. And Lord, I want you to know that though life may kick me, I'll still serve you. I'm still here. Hey! And I'm trying to encourage somebody. This is what I do when I have church all by myself. I give him praise. I give him glory. Because my enemies did not triumph. And then I flip it over here like this and go, lift your hands with me right now and give him praise. 
But sometimes you got to volunteer to praise them all by yourself. Sometimes you got to come to God's house and your head feels like this. But I'm going to build a place of praise because I volunteer. I love my church. I, I just felt too good to say it. I love my church. I love my God. I love what he's done for me. I love how he changes lives. I love the potential that's in the house of God. I love how he's proven himself over and over again. And though the enemy thinks he knocks me down, the Bible says a righteous man will get back up. And I'm righteous by the blood of Christ. I'm not righteous because of me. I'm righteous because of him. So that's what I do when I have church by myself. The whole windshield is covered with saliva. Because this is real to me. The presence of God is a true story to me. And I want you to experience worship because you just want to because you love him because your heart overflows with desire and gratitude to love your church because it is the habitation the presence of God it is where the corporate body of Christ gathers to worship him ah, I live to worship him I live to be in his presence I live to be close to the presence of God. I wish you would do the same. Hey, thanks so much for listening today. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can like and subscribe. You can even share this on your social media. If you do, tag us at The Courageous Church and share what God is doing in your life. Always remember, God's calling you to be strong and very courageous in all that you do. I hope to see you soon. God bless.